Hey, it's Dan here. If you want to hear this episode of the Backchat Podcast without ads and get extra content that no one else gets, head to backchatstudios.com.au where you can sign up as a patron and access all of our bloody good merch. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. G'day, welcome to Backchat. You know where we're at. Backchat double underscores on socials. You can listen to us on YouTube. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube. If you're not watching, you can listen to us on podcasts everywhere you like. Thanks to our supporters and our sponsors, Whippersnapper, uh, Margaret River Roasting Co., Shelter, Bluebet, and of course, Leadable Cameras. We're sitting next to and with, right here in Melbourne, Backchat Melbourne, Josh Dunkley. How are you, mate? Dunks. Good, thanks. How are you guys? Yeah, good. good. Now, look, we're, we're glad you're with us. We were late, you were late. We're all here together now. <laughs> Uh, back chat, we don't give a great big introduction about everything you've done in your career. We know that you're a premiership player. We know that you've done a lot of great things for the Western Bulldogs. You've been a great player, but that's not really what we're here for to start the show anyway. It's Every guest you. we have in, the first question they get is, besides the great things you've done on the football field, what's your greatest sporting moment not on the football field. We've had, oh. we've had great players. We've had, we've had basketballs. We've had runners. We've had media personnel. We don't care what you do in your specific sport. I'm, we know that you're a great football player. What do you do off the field? You ask the question <laughs> while I pad a bit more now while you think about that. What is this trophy? It's not mine. It's Dan Conk. So you mine, tell him yeah. about that while he's has a thing. Well, think see, about I didn't bring done. it up, and it always seems to come up in conversation, even all the way over here in Melbourne. But that's a, that's a cricket ball that I that I got uh, five wickets for sixteen runs in a grand final um, under twelves Stuart Hill Cricket Club. Um, <laughs> you may have heard of Stuart Hill Cricket Club over here in Melbourne. It's a big sure deal over in Perth, um, and so that's my greatest sporting achievement. So I, I hope I haven't set you up here. With something that's maybe not as cricket? good as that, well, no, it doesn't have to be cricket. We've had someone like at a lead in a lead role in a play. They did a they did a some sort of trick on a skateboard. They were yeah, very happy did. with Jimmy Bartel hit a hole in one. Yeah, so you can go anywhere with this. I know you play other sports. Just think yeah. about what you've done in your whole career. Well, if I was to stick to cricket, it'd be something to do with making a hundred in the preseason this year. This back, year, back home for the local cricket team, which not many people probably know about, but Very good. there's one for you. But Mr. another Bulldogs one, media media team sitting here shaking their heads. I've uh, I've got another one. Yeah. You said lead role in a play. I actually uh, did ballet as a kid. Nice. And I played lead role in a Peter Pan. <laughs> Very show, good. Yes. Whatever you call it, that is bloody great. Mm. So you were Peter Pan in ballet. Well, I wasn't actually because the, the one of the girls did the Peter Pan role, but I was uh, Michael. You know the Michael. the I think it's like the brother or whatever or like of the right. yeah was, I was so one had, of the lead roles. So you had like um, Tinkerbell was Tinkerbell. Yep, uh, yep. Hook, yep. Everything. Oh, good. I've got to be honest. For mine, that is actually right up there as one of the best we've heard here. On yeah, Backchat. it's very good. It's a different one. Not Pass many people know about it. Yeah, I, I know you want to ask what I've done. Um, state champion under nine hurdles, <laughs> uh, yep. eighty meters. Uh, hurdles were about this far off the ground. Uh, did quite well in 800 metres, but I was a bit older. I was a bit like, oh, yeah, good on you. But, yeah, hurdles is mine. But ballet, Josh, very good. <laughs> Thank you. Now, talk to us about your upbringing. Uh, you, you, uh, did you grow up in Sydney while your dad was playing? Yeah, over? I grew up there for six years. Yeah. And uh, we moved back after he finished straight away. So he finished in 2002, end of 2002. And then we moved back to a small town in Gippsland called Yarram. 
which is where mum and dad met essentially and they moved away together to go to Sydney and grew up there ever since. So your mum and dad are Victorian? Yep. Are, both you, a, are you a New South Welshman? I'm a New South Welshman. Oh no. Mm. Born in Darlinghurst in a hospital that's no longer there. Wow. Got knocked down. Okay, so your dad did play for Sydney. Um, that's relatively widely known. Um, played a lot of good games for Sydney. Uh, you come through the TAC Cup, though, because you've moved back to Victoria. Yep. Um, you played for Gippsland? Gippsland Power. Captain? I was the captain. Very good. Yeah. What was the TAC Cup like? Uh, I found the TAC Cup hard, to be honest. Like, it was very... It's not a selfish brand, but it's a lot of guys trying to put their name up in lights and... I played senior footy at 15 years old for Sale Football Club, which was a, which was awesome. I, we, we managed to win the flag that year in my first year of senior footy. But coming from a team-style game plan to then going into the TAC Cup, I found quite difficult because I'm more of a defensive sort of team-based player. Well, that's how I like to see it. Yeah, so, that's what you like to tell people. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you do but, look uh, like that from external. What's it like playing as a 15-year-old in a senior grand final in a premiership? It was awesome. It was something that I'll never forget, like the way that – it was Matt Ferguson. I don't know if you heard of Matt Ferguson, but Ross yeah. Lyon coached him at St Kilda. He played a handful of games there and then came back to Sale and brought the defensive game plan, the 18-man zone, to country footy, and not one team could get near us. It was unbelievable. So I learned the wing roll, and that was it for the rest of the year. Really? Yeah. And so did you take any of that through your junior? You would have learned a fair bit, right? Absolutely, yeah. Like knowing your role, playing your role, being able to perform it. And so I carried that through my whole 16s, 18s journey and then managed to get drafted at pick 25. So you're a country Victoria and you're playing a premiership as a 15-year-old. You're on the waters, Mad uh, Monday? I was, yeah, I was. <laughs> a couple of shandies, like a little bit of beer in this lemonade or something like that. Mix it in, caught a beer, nah. <laughs> That's unreal. I didn't know that. Very good. Um, so a part of that though, okay, so your dad plays enough games with the Sydney Swans for you to be eligible to be father-son. Uh you get selected by the Western Bulldogs in their 2015 draft, so the end of 2015. Yep. Uh, but Sydney don't match it. You're the first father-son that the club doesn't match the bid. Does one, like right now, does that mean anything to you at the time? Were you happy, sad? You played with the Sydney Academy, right? You spent time. Yeah, I did. I spent time up there because of the father-son program. Yep. So I did have a lot of good relationships at the footy club. Uh, if I was to look back and see or say whether I was happy or sad, I don't really know, to be honest. I was... Because as a kid, you want to play AFL football. Obviously, the interstate factor was there. I was living with my family in Gippsland, and I was happy to remain in Melbourne not too far away. But looking back, I think that no matter where you go, you're going to have fun. You're going to live up to your dream that you always wanted to do as a kid. So I don't I don't really know. There's no hard feelings from Sydney. I have a lot of good relationships there, as I said, but, yeah, moved on. Did you um, spend time there as a, as a kid growing up at the footy club? Yeah, plenty of time. I'm, like, there's a vision of me running out with Dad in his last game and, and then obviously through my journey through the under-16s, 18s and the father-son program, I was up there a lot. So, yeah, a lot of good people up there. As a, as a young kid, do you remember anything from being in the rooms? You know, like as a player, you would see now guys, is there guys at yeah. like the Bulldogs with kids yep. coming in? Do you remember being that kid? Yeah, I remember stealing chewies off the trainers and stuff like that all the time. <laughs> and I do remember running out in dad's last game and you run through the banner and you see all the kids get pulled off straight away after yes. that. I kept running. So I was like, I thought I was a player. I'm just running out. The, the Swans mascot had to come and get me from the other side of the ground because I'd ran too far. The mascot. Yeah. yeah. I have to find out what mascot it was. We're doing a uh, greatest, uh, the best worst mascots in the competition from all eras. So oh, yeah. Was it a swan? It was a swan. To- okay. Yeah. Classic. Very good. Um, so you actually, um, the, the first game that you play in 2016, you have the same amount of touches that your dad did when he debuted. Really? I believe so. Wow. I believe so, Charlie. That's incredible. Is that right? Did you hear that before? I haven't heard that before. Well, it may or may not be right. <laughs> <laughs> I think That's it is. Pretty... So, yeah, you had the same amount of touches that you both did. Um, what, how does, does... When you hear that, then, what are you... I don't know, does that... I mean, obviously, you look surprised, but is that yeah. sort of special? Yeah, it is special. Definitely. I think I kicked a goal that game, too, but he probably didn't. So, maybe <laughs> I've got that <laughs> one up. Was, on was, it, was it your first kick? No. Nah. It was a good goal. Oh, was it my first kick? Nah, it was close. It was first quarter. It was just a yep. Joe the Goose over the back. Jakey Stringer tapped it to me and I snapped it through. Do you do you remember your first kick? Does it like playing your first game in AFL? Oh. Is that, you know, given like a lot of kids, right? Like me included, there's guys in the AFL that, you know, never really have a glimpse of what the AFL life is like when they're growing up. But you with the father is playing, is it, 
you know, again, you won't be able to compare to not being doing it, but is it a bigger moment? Is it a big moment for you, that first game, that first kick, that first touch, that first running out in front of the crowd? Yeah, it was a huge moment. I mean, I had all the family there and everyone that had supported me, I tried to get to the game. So throughout that journey was obviously go through a lot of ups and downs to to get to that position, but um, it was nice to be able to run out in front of them and, and do them proud, I guess, in a way. Like it's a moment that the family, your family cherishes as a as a young kid so it was a nerve-wracking but I don't really remember my first kick I think I my first touch was a handball and I turned it over I reckon so <laughs> it was a, not a memorable one dad yeah. always used to give me a lot of feedback when I was playing but he was an AFL footballer did is does Andrew oh yeah big time he... he's always on the phone straight after the game and he gives me feedback and at what point are you able to go listen dad I've been doing this for long enough now well, I try to go back to him sometimes with little things like, I don't know, I was a bit sore or whatever, like, that he doesn't give me any excuses, excuses, I should say. What about mum? Mum's more sympathetic, like, she's like, you know, did really well, tried really hard. You're a good <laughs> Played boy. well today. Played well, yeah, every week, mum, play I well. Had, <laughs> mum, I had seven touches, yeah. I stunk it up. Yeah. yeah, I normally write back, I'd be like... Um, it wasn't a good game. You um, ever go for a kick with your, your dad still? Like, has the footy come out? Yeah, it has a few times. As a kid, definitely. Like, he was in the backyard with myself and my younger brother and, and my older sister who played a bit of footy when she was younger. But of late, I did have a kick with him this pre-season over Christmas just because he was there and uh, I was running laps around Sale Footy Oval and he came to watch me for a little bit <laughs> and uh, came out on the field and we had a little kick. It was pretty funny because his back's cooked. I was going to say, he'd, a bit domsy. Oh, his mate. He's gone. He'd still be <laughs> yeah, recovering. He wasn't, he wasn't moving much. He was just standing in the one spot just <laughs> kicking him back to me. So it was good. So 2016, your first season, you're a premiership player at the end of 2016. Yep. So you play your first game in 2016 and then your final game of that year is a, is a premiership. Do you look back now, you know, we're fairly far removed from it now, seven years ago. Does mm. it feel like it was that long ago? Yeah, it does, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, it feels like a long time ago. Just the way that it all transpired and at the time, like being a first-year player, it's like everything's just a whirlwind. Like you don't, you forget about the moment and things like that. So the build-up was awesome, but I reckon I definitely probably took it for granted, the, the amount of work and power of work that not only players but staff and footy clubs put into winning a, a premiership. Yeah, so... Some specific stuff I want to ask you about at 2016. The end of 2016, the last game of that year, you play Fremantle in Subiaco yep. uh, in Western Australia. You got a lot of injury. You have five or six out. Mm. You get beaten. Um, you get, you're beaten, right? Yep. And then there's the... Smashed. We pre- smashed. Yeah, smashed. And then pre-finals bye happens. So you get a week off. Then you come back to Western Australia to play West Coast. Yeah. Who are flying at that stage. Beating a couple of good sides. Up and about. Western Bulldogs just lost to Fremantle. Play. They brought a few players back. Uh, from your side of things, I was on the other side. I played on the other side. Yep. Dan. You're looking at me like I don't no, know what I'm talking about. <laughs> what, what was the uh, given? How we both know how football club works. What, what was said inside the four walls? Um, was it an ambush? Was it? Was it a? Okay, this is what's happened against Fremantle. We've lost that, but we're going to jump West Coast here. Cause yeah, yeah. It was. We definitely talked about post for the Freo game because we knew that we were coming back to Perth I think it was 10 days later yeah. so we played on the Sunday and the finals on the following old Thursday week essentially and it was all pretty much the Bevo asked the question after the game do you believe we can do it like as a team we're all young and inspired by you know certain things that happened on the footy field but at that time we were we'd obviously got pumped by Freo so it was pretty embarrassing so um he pulled us all together asked that question do you believe we can do it and everyone sort of sat in the room and looked around and was like yeah, I think we can. Mm. And then we obviously had six six or seven changes yeah. and then we came over against the Eagles and, um, and yeah, put on a show. But it was more about taking inspiration and, and confidence from the crowd a little bit. Like we looked at that and that aspect of being the away team, the underdogs really embraced that opportunity to, to come out on top. Was that a theme that ran through the final series? Yeah, it did the whole time. We, we, the next week we played Hawthorne at the MCG, reigning premiers. And then the Giants the following week in the prelim, who were arguably the best team that year, probably would have been the best team that year if they had beaten us on the, in that prelim. Yes. I watched that game with your forward line coach, Matt Spanger. You just made me remember right here in Melbourne. It was one of the, well, that was one of the great finals games of all time. Yeah. Bulldogs v Giants. It was at Giants Stadium. It was. Um, so you played effectively played away the, the whole final series. So that crowd aspect, 
that would have been the biggest crowd GWS has probably ever had. I don't know if it was, but you know, they were up and absolutely flying. They make a, you know, a grand final in 2017, but 2016, they were one of the best sides. Mm. And you guys were coming from outside the top four. Um, as young guys and now being older, do you think it was like blind ignorance a little bit that it was just like, oh, it doesn't matter. We'll just take on anyone. We'll beat them. Like mm. now you're a bit older, a bit wiser. Made it be harder to do. Like 100%. More 100%. experienced team. Yeah, definitely. I think we were all that young and excited about playing finals footy. Like it was something that we didn't really, it wasn't treated as a finals game. It was just treated as any normal home and away sort of game. So we went in as underdogs and embraced that opportunity that we could. And yeah, as I said, came out on top. But that, that I remember that Giants game, that was one of the hardest games I reckon I've ever played in. Just physically and the run and carry that the Giants have. I remember in the last quarter, they kicked the first two goals, I reckon, to start the quarter. We were nine points down or something. And I was like, oh, we're cooked here. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, we turned it around and came out on top, which was great. At what point in that final series did you start to think like this could be a year that you could go all the way? Because I mean, I'm sorry, I'm just looking at the ladder. So first spot, 17 wins. You guys had 15. So it wasn't like you were seventh, but it wasn't a huge gap between yeah. top and, and the bottom of the eight. Yeah, I think the way we started that year, I think we were 8-0 that year in 2016. And um, yeah, we had a good like start to the year and the confidence was definitely there. And then we got a lot of injuries and lost some really close games. So we had the confidence that we could definitely take it up to the, the opposing opposition. And um, the final series, I think after the West Coast game, we really you know, believed that we could do it. And then obviously knocking off Hawthorne the week after really helped that confidence and the maturity as a group grew from from that moment. Who were mum and dad cheer, cheering for in the grand final? Western Bulldogs v Sydney. I think Western Bulldogs. I think <laughs> <laughs> deep down, dad was probably like had a little soft spot for the Swans, but yeah, yeah they definitely um, got around us. I actually, I think dad wore a scarf, which was really rare for him. Well done, right. <laughs> it's a good scarf, isn't it? Not bad from you, Charlie. Good action there. What was the um? What was the sorry the role of um Bob Murphy in that final series? Yeah, it's a good question. He was obviously that year went down with the knee round three, was it? Yeah. Yeah, it was early. Yeah, so he oh, he just looked after everyone. Like the way that he was, he was a bit of a mentor for the whole playing group. And we got together. I remember after that game was, after, you know, third game of footy. And we all came in as a footy club and looked at each other and said, you know, Bob's obviously going to be a massive loss for us. But at the same time, he's still going to be around. We have to support him. But it was a big moment for the club, I think, that, that time when Bobby went down and for him to remain focused and have that goal in mind for the whole club was just incredible. And the way that he embraced it, being injured in a way and missing out on the year was just insane. Did, did he coach at all? Like, it's always difficult with current players, even if they're injured or not, to really act as a coach. Was he a coach or was he more a mentor? Oh, I think he was probably more of a mentor. He did help the backs out with certain things, you know, Rowan Smith was our backline coach at the time. He is now again. So um, he would point things out and sort of help that communication between coach and player, I think. But oh, yeah. more of a mentor with younger guys, especially with myself and, and Zane Cordy and guys like that, Toby McLean and younger guys that were coming into the system and, and playing roles. What do you remember of the day? Like like you're, like you're a... 19 year old you're 19 by I that was 19 stage? yeah so like, what do you remember i don't know what i was doing at 19 I wasn't playing in grand finals <laughs> <laughs> what do you remember of the day oh like pre not not so much the game the the day like waking up were you nervous or were you, again were you just yeah youthful bliss and no just like, oh, i was another game i was very nervous i woke up because everyone comes from everywhere all over the the country to watch the grand final and i had a lot of tickets and family coming and I just remember waking up. I like to sleep in game day. And I reckon I woke up at like 7.30. Love that. And I was just wide awake. Like oh, I was oh like, no. oh no, this That's is bad. I'm coming from a, I've got kids now so I don't sleep anymore. But from a past sleeper in era, yeah. you wake up early and you can't get back to sleep and it's like panic stations. Big You're time. Like, I need to go to sleep. Big time. <laughs> so I was sleep. straight up into brekkie and things like that. And lucky the day was short because grand final was like 3.20, I think it was, a daytime. Yeah. Early, so you get early, earlier, get there early. Yeah, 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 a bit earlier, the prep and stuff. So, yeah, I, I don't remember too much. I remember standing there in the national anthem and just hearing the crowd because both teams go up at the same time, like the crowd noise, and that was probably the biggest moment apart from the post like siren, yeah, post game siren. It was just an incredible moment. How'd you play? Uh, I was okay. I brought my pressure game, which is always important. Good. I think I had seven tackles or something. You can. Hang your hat on that. Yeah, oh, I didn't get much of it. I, I, did, I missed a goal, which yeah. was 
disappointing because if you keep going to grand final, you can really yes. celebrate. Yeah. It's, um, 15 touches. 15 touches, yeah. 15-7. Yeah. 15-7 tackles. Did you... Grand final win. Do you remember if you... It was a big big deal at West Coast uh, when we won it in 18 because in 2006, uh, some of the guys didn't give the kids the hats uh, that you were asked to give the Auskick kids. Mm. Do you remember if you gave your hat to the Auskick kids? Yeah, I gave it first. You seemed like a very like well-mannered, well-spoken man, so I'm sure you did. But it, it a few fell on their sword at West Coast, exactly like you. Great people, but just yeah. forgot what they were doing up there. It is a moment where you're like, you look back and you watch the vision of you getting presented on stage and you're like, I don't even know what I was doing. Because <laughs> you're so aroused and buzzed by the moment. Yeah. It's, yeah, you sort of lose track a little bit. So you were first up. Is that right? Nah, I was number 20. Oh, that's right. So I was a few in, yeah. Yeah, right. Who won the Norm Smith that year? JJ. He did? Yes. So we've spoken to a couple of Norm Smiths on, on this podcast and they're, they're, they're alerted to the fact that they've won the Norm Smith. So someone comes to them and shakes their hand. Oh, really? Tells them, yes. Yeah, right. So I was going to ask, doesn't tell you know, whether JJ knew he was winning it, whether you boys knew he was winning it, whether it was a surprise at the time, nah, if you can remember it. Yeah, definitely a surprise. I thought Tommy Boyd or Jordan Ruffhead or Liam Picken yep. probably would have won it that day, but I don't know if JJ found out. I'll ask him. That's funny, those three you mentioned, none of them at the football club anymore. Right? No, they're not. Yeah. So Jordan's at Collingwood, just retired. Just retired. Um, Pico retired, Pico obviously. Retired. Concussion. Yep. And, and Ruffy and Boydie. Yeah, Boydie was the other one. Have you have you got is there is there does it feel like at the club now that it's a, a really new group? You know, like does that does you know, it's twenty sixteen, it's seven years ago. Mm. Is it a completely new group? You mentioned three of the best players are not even there anymore. Yeah, I think it is definitely a new group. We um we've had we've got a lot of guys in there now that were drafted three years ago as younger players that are sort of maturing and becoming the core group at the footy club. So I think it's a, it is very new compared to what we used to have. There is still a lot of premiership players in the team, but the youth is probably the most important part when you're looking at future and things like that. With the, um, I'm always interested in jumper numbers. You went from 20 to five and that's why I, I thought you were, um, would have been one of the first at the grand final, but you, you were 20 at the time. So yeah. why the move to number five? Yeah, so it's a good question. Post um, 2017, I think it was, 2017, yep. it was the jumper change. I So I obviously had the grand final, 16, 17, I did my shoulder. And I was, as players, you go through rough times. I was struggling a little bit, just through things on field, off field, bit of everything. And um, I wanted a fresh start. And I did, so I sort of got asked whether or not I'd be keen to to do it and Matty Boy was a good mentor of mine when he was at the footy club and then Rowan Smith another one that I worked closely with at the club both number five so I thought it'd be a great opportunity for me to move into that number and a bit higher up in the locker room and you know next to Bont and guys like that Lukey Dalhouse was number six at the time and yeah I thought it was a good opportunity for me so I took it with both hands. Is it a is it a handover? Did Matty Boyd come out straight out of five then? When yeah, he, that yeah. was when he came out of five. But so he's at Fremantle coaching now, right? Yeah, so I caught it was good because I caught up with him last year when we were in Perth before the grand final. Adam and I went to his place for dinner leading up to the grand final, so it was nice to be able to have that connection with him. Mm. But he didn't actually come and present it to me. No. He just sort of sent me a cheeky message on the side <laughs> saying, well done. Is there, I mean, it's always good to give you insight for people that, you know, haven't been in locker rooms at AFL clubs. You got stuff written on your lockers. Is there... 100-game players, is there what, yeah. what goes on the lockers at the Bulldogs? Yeah, it's 100-game uh, players and then premiership players are in gold. But the, everyone that's played over 100 is on that locker with the, na- the games that they've played. Very good. Is it blank? Does your name go up and then is it blank until you finish up or do they yep. leave you off it until you finish? Yep. So until you finish, you're, you're not on there. Apart from they've got like a little plastic slip that you slide <laughs> into it while you're playing. Yes, that's very good. So mine's on... Mine, Name is on the number twenty locker in gold already. Oh, I see your name so goes good. gold. Yep. Yeah, that's good. Mm. There's, there's, at West Coast, it's a cup. Okay, like a oh, Premiership yeah. Cup goes up next to your name. Do you ever just go up and look gold. at it? Sorry. <laughs> Do you just go up and look at he your name? He says it every day. I see it. 
I see it a fair bit because yeah. I walk past sort of number 20. Yeah, glance at it every just time. Just have, have a look and yeah, appreciate okay. it a little yeah. bit. Taking you inside the locker room here at Back Chat <laughs> yeah. on Leicester Bulldogs. What about, um, a bit of a heavier question, what about leadership and culture? How much um, across the journey um, have you, do you do you look at yourself and as, as a leader at the football club? Do you take little bits of everybody? Do you feel like you've been shaped by your family, your upbringing? Um, leadership to you, what's... What's that? Yeah, my leadership's probably taken a bit of a journey over my time. I definitely think the person that I am today is thanks to my family, They've, the way they brought me up and everything, everyone that sort of helped me to that point or to this point. But I remember at under 15s, I was pretty quiet as a kid and didn't say a lot. And then under 16s, I got picked in the, um, the AIS AFL Academy. And from there, I'll just sort of started becoming that leader on field and leading by example through actions and things like that I wasn't a an overthinker or speaker or anything like that so to be able to go into that program and and learn and grow and we did a lot of leadership sessions and Chris Johnson was actually the coach and he appointed me captain of the under 17 Australian team and that was probably the first moment where I thought wow like this is what I want to do and and be so I learned through a lot of people Bobby Murphy I mentioned before and and other guys like Bonte has been really good mentor for me and looked after me across the journey. So to come into a footy club with a bit of leadership experience as a young player was definitely something that I reckon helped me be the player and person that I was pretty quickly. And then, yeah, I was in the leadership group in 2019. So it was something that I always wanted to do, but I didn't think that I had the capabilities of early days until that moment where I got the captain of the Aussie team. So Chris Johnson, uh, multiple premiership player with the Brisbane Lions. Yep. Um, you mentioned bon, uh, Marcus Montempelli. Do you, at all, whilst playing, realise that you may be playing with like a generational player? Like he, he, he is the, the way he moves, the way he's shaped, the way he plays is different to we've seen many do it before him, or is he just Bont? Just Marcus. Yeah. You probably just see him as Bont, to yeah. be honest. Like you don't, you obviously appreciate the greatness that he brings to the footy field and as a leader as well of the, of the club, but. Yeah, I personally don't treat him any yeah. differently. I'm not like, oh, he's going to be a generational player or anything <laughs> like that. But you hear all the noise from the outside and then, yeah, you do sometimes sit back when he does something freakish and you're like, wow, that's yeah. pretty cool. Does that happen on the footy field? Yeah. Not just him, but others around you. So yeah, there's definitely you have others. You a bit of time to go, what's going on here? When something crazy happens, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, what about Luke Beveridge? Talk to us about Bevo. I, I, I only, I've had a few interactions with Bevo. Um, one as a player, just watching him, and he, he always seemed like a good coach. So what he was able to do in 2016 felt like, as a playing group in 2016, like we we were the, the word like ambushed, like mm. we we thought we'd beat you and we didn't, and you rolled us, and I and I put that down to your coach. Yep. Players are going to execute, obviously. Um, and then I've watched him as sort of I'm in the media now, so I watch him interact with media, and he can get prickly. And then, uh, for use of a better word, and um, but I can see the glint in his eye that he's just he's just doing it for protection of his yeah. of his club, right? And then the third one, I sort of put all packaged all that together. I was fortunate enough he was walking along the boundary working for Fox Footy, and I just said to him, "Really respect what you've been able to do." And sort of, I was able to see like the guard come down completely, and he was really genuine answer back. Does that summarise him as a whole? Able to influence the group, can get prickly, but deep down is a very loving and caring coach. Yeah, absolutely. I think you've hit the very nail good. on the head. It's the, I remember the first day I've ever met Bevo and I wasn't even drafted yet. I was a 17, 18-year-old kid and he came to my house with the recruiters and pretty much had a relationship since then. The right. way that we connected and the respect that he showed in me as a junior to then be obviously playing underneath him as an AFL player, and the, the, you said it to a T, the way that he cares about his players, he protects his players, he's a very loving and caring person and honest at times when he needs to be, which is good. But that main, the main one is, I think, that the care and passion that he has for his players. It's like he's a father figure of the footy club. So he came to your house with the recruiters? Yeah. yeah. That's pretty cool. Mm. I don't think I've had any head coaches before. I'm pretty sure they knew I'd be available pretty late. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, okay. Bevo. Have you got any have you got any Bevo stories you can share? Any any 
I don't know any any decent ones that are fit for public consumption. Any anything that's made you laugh, any, anything that's happened that you just you copped a good spray from him. Yeah, actually, oh, I've copped a good spray from him. He um, gave it to me in my first year. I tried to do you know those inside out kicks, like when you're yeah, trying, on your right foot on your right foot and you're trying yeah. to pull it back. Yeah, I've seen lots of guys do those. <laughs> I've tried. I tried to do one of those against. I think it was against um, Frio in my first year. Might have been. It wasn't your first game, was it? No, it wasn't. Against oh no, Frio. it wasn't Frio. It must have been someone else. But I've tried to pull a kick inside late. In the back defensive fifty, turnover goal. Oh no! What do you have to say about it? Just told me that I, you know, it's my first year of footy. Don't try and bite off more than you can chew. <laughs> <laughs> and he thought I was leerizing a bit, so I got dragged for it, and he gave me an earful. Uh, what was the the hubs and bubbles like over the COVID season? Sort of over the last couple of years. We'll touch on twenty one and grand final and getting that stage. But yep. started in twenty twenty and. Yep. Moved into 21 here in Melbourne, playing in front of no crowds. Mm. What, what was all all that like for you personally? Personally, I think I struggled with it a little bit. The way that obviously the crowd stuff was first in Melbourne, playing in front of no one, which was just like a, you could hear anything. Like you could hear seats it flicking training. over. It was like training run, yeah. <laughs> so the motivation and I don't know the arousal levels sort of were down a little bit. And we talked about trying to get them back up and. And, and going but it was very hard so then went to Queensland and started to play in front of court, in front of crowds and um, in the hub seeing each other every day became a little bit probably too much at times for some people and me included I struggled I reckon a little bit not having that outlet from football so yeah it was tough I think it was very tough but the following year to come back and and really embrace being back in Melbourne and playing in front of crowds again helped us you know, have a good start to last year. I know you said we weren't t- touching no, on 21, but... That's no, good. You let us in there. Yeah, a good start to last year. And then, um, obviously, the end of the season was COVID hit again and we had to go into the hubs for finals. So, I feel like those hubs were definitely managed a little bit better compared to the year before and the way that we were able to do that and embrace those moments was was good. It was, like a, it was a little bit like 2016. Um, doesn't end as well, but... You had a fair bit against you coming into that final series. You spent a lot of time away from home and mm. well, you're on the road for eight, nine weeks. Yeah. The back end. Yep. Um, is that spoken about as a playing group or is it just every every week as it comes? Yeah, at the time it's definitely spoken about. I think knowing that we got, we could be away for a long period of time and away from family, partners, everyone that supports you as a player. So we did talk about it, but I think the – the way that the boys were able to embrace it and learn from the year before's experience, like the hub the year before, um, was was difficult for a lot of people. So to, to come in and, and gel as a group, I felt like the hub last year throughout the final series really shaped us to be the team that we were in that in that series. Where were you hubbing? What, what? We went, oh, ours was crazy. Yeah. Ours was like, we went to Tassie. Yeah. And then we were there for two weeks. Then we went to Brisbane and we were treated like, we were treated like we're in quarantine. Yes, like by wearing hazmat suits around a face. Yeah, yeah. Two up in the lift at once. Okay. Weren't allowed to leave your room. Perfect. You're walking viruses. Yes. Literally. Nice. And we'd tested for like yeah. a year. Five times a day, basically. Yeah, clear. <laughs> yes. So probably the cleanest people in the country. So, and so that was in Brisbane. That was then... in Brisbane. And then we went from there to Perth. Yes. For a week. And then we played Adelaide in Adelaide in the prelim. So we just flew from Perth into Adelaide. Didn't stay. Stayed one night and then flew back to Perth another week quarantine. Yeah, wow. week before the grand final. Um, where were you staying in Perth? The first week we stayed at Crown Plaza. Yep. On the like in Burswood, like in the in, in the, the city. Yep. Yep. Yeah, across the road from that park. And Sorry. We had, yep. Yep. Langley Park. Yep. Yep. We had a massive, like, caged off area. It was like we we're in a zoo. <laughs> that we could, if we wanted to go for a walk, we just had to walk like 100 meter squares around uh, this big yeah. park. You, you, you're not saying this, I am. Thank you, Mr. McGowan, for yeah. that treatment because that's probably where that came in. So, okay, so you were caged animals there. Yep. And is so that where you were there for the... Or you went? No, we went to Adelaide yep. for one night and then came back and we stayed in Freo. I can't remember what the place is called. Oh, I know where you stayed. The big, the big white one. Yeah. Trade wins. That's the one, yeah. That's Charlie, a nice, that's Charlie a nice was, hotel. That was, Charlie was hovering there, I reckon. That was, that was a really good hotel. And then by then, we were out of quarantine, so... Freo was a great place. Freo was nice. Hit up the beaches, Cottesloe. It was right. pretty nice over there, actually, at yeah. the time. Would have been nice to finish with a grand final win. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the way that it all unfolded for us in that game was disappointing because we were up at, in the third quarter with by 20-something points, I think, and to then sort of lose it a little bit and 
get smashed in the end was a little bit embarrassing and it does hurt as players and definitely as a footy club. But I feel like it's a good learning experience for some of the younger guys too. Like I wouldn't say that for me back in 2016 because obviously we won, but yeah. it is a good experience for the young guys to go through. Obviously not a grand final in Melbourne, so it's a little bit different if it was to be in Melbourne. You played in the 2016 grand final and premiership. Does... <clears throat> Did 2021 feel like the same? Like, it, Did it feel like a grand final? I know it would have felt different, but did yeah. it feel like a grand final? Yeah, I think it felt like a grand final, but there was just no build-up. Like, grand final parade wasn't on. Yeah, There was no presentations. You couldn't... Your family couldn't get around you because they were at home. Yes, did any family get in at all? Like, I know I there have, was some arrangements. I have an auntie and uncle there, so they came to the game. And then I've got a, I had a close mate, Michael Ablett. Do you know Mickey Ablett? He used to work with the AIS and... Works with WA, I think, over there. No. But he came to the game, so he's someone that I knew. And, yeah, that was probably the only guys that I that I could have at the game. I mean, that's a big difference, isn't it? Because mm. that's what the grand final would have been like in 2016. Yeah. Family. Everyone. Mm. Literally everyone. that, Mum and dad, grandparents, both sides, um, cousins, aunties, uncles. Just, just everyone was there. It was pretty cool. What yeah. about the night grand final? Yeah. I didn't mind it. In Perth, it was pretty good weather. So... It was nice to be able to run out in a twilight. It was like a twilight game, I think, four four forty or five o'clock. Cracking night. Yeah, Yeah. it was a beautiful night. You couldn't probably ask for any better conditions. So it was, it was pretty cool to play at Optus. I love Optus Stadium. It's awesome the way that they've built that and turned it into a spectacle. Is pretty cool. How much do you review a um, a loss like that? Like, so I called the game um, with Radio in Perth, and I remember this moment when you when you guys were up. And I'd picked you guys pre-game. I was I like back back in the underdogs, and I think you guys mm. were underdogs coming out of the game. And I'd talked you up, and whenever you come out and say something, you like to see that it happen. So I, I remember just sitting there thinking, I can't believe they're going to beat Melbourne. Like I, I, I was talking shit a bit pre-game, to be honest, because I thought it was going to be a closer game. But I said, Nah, Bulldogs will roll them. They're on a roll. Um, but then you end up getting done. How much do you sit down and review it? Like how much do you go through that as players? We didn't Have you watched it? it? Nah, haven't watched it at all. It was mm. something that we just sort of, you stew on for about a week, I think. But as a footy club, we didn't go anywhere near it. It was all about when we came back from pre-season, it was like, yep, we know this has happened. We've parked it. We're moving forward. So we actually haven't even, I haven't even thought about it. Really? Yeah. That's, that surprising me. Mm. Yeah. It, do, is it something you think, or, or you, you sound pretty happy about it though. As in terms of happy about no, not watching no, the game, no, no. yeah, no, happy about. If it sounds like you have moved on. Yeah, I've I've moved on. I've, there's definitely a chink in the armor, though. I think mm. like the way that it all unfolded, and personally, I was I come off a shoulder rico that last year, and I was sort of struggling to find form after I got back from that. But then started playing some consistent footy. So you look at everything involved in the the game itself, and I feel like I could have been better for the team. I'm sure there were a lot of other guys the same. So. There is a disappointing factor to it, but I don't really want to look back anymore. I want to look forward. Mm. Do you think you'll ever go back and watch it? Oh, I see highlights at times and uh, just look away straight away. So <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think I'll ever sit down and watch the full game. Even 16, I haven't watched the full game at all. Took me six or took me close. Oh, yeah, it took me about five years to watch 2015. From start to finish, like you just sat down. I'd not have Josh. I wouldn't watch it, and I and I wasn't like Josh. I I was filthy. Yeah, and then maybe he's just got a good poker face. I don't know, but <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. It's a it's a difficult thing to do. The only thing in Josh's favour is one one already. But well, did I, you watch yours? You watched it after you won, so there was yeah, a little correct. Less sting on. There. Yeah, well, that's the only way I could watch it because I and, and then when I did watch it though, I will give you this advice. When I did watch it, it was a lot. Um, it was less. It was it was better than I thought it was. Like in my mind, play Hawthorne twenty fifteen, get completely rolled, lose by I don't know forty points or something, 48, 48 points. What do, what, what do these guys lose by? Do you know? Nice ten Probably, goals. Yeah, was it? similar amount. It was it was like ten goals. And in my head, we just did everything wrong. Yeah, not not one thing I could take out of that. When I did sit down and watch it, I watched it by myself. I was down in Mandra at the family house and it just happened to be on TV and I was tired. I was probably hungover and I was like, oh, you know what, fuck it, let's just do this. <laughs> so I sat and watched the whole thing start to finish and it, it was just a couple of moments for us that you know, there was one sort of like two goal turnaround where we were coming really hard and um, I don't really feel like pointing out who it was. You know, there was, a, there was a moment that we lost two goals and there was another moment like that, which is like a four-goal turn yeah. in a grand final. Yeah. And it's, all, it's like all over. 
It was the same for you boys, I'm sure, because I watched that your game. You had you had some center clearance stuff that went wrong mm. that turned you know potentially almost like scores level at three quarter time to down by four or five goals mm. and it's all over honestly. Yep. Yep. And so it may be a five minute period of that game. So just my advice, maybe get have a little look at if you feel like you need to do it. Yeah. Might not be as bad as you think. Joe's <laughs> <laughs> like shut up, mate. Yeah. <laughs> shut up, mate. We lost the grand final last year. Yeah, it's still fresh, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. What about uh, your friendship with Adam Trelaw? It's been, I've seen it across media a little bit, but what about from your perspective? You guys are good mates by the sound of it. Yeah, we are. We never knew each other before he got traded to the Dogs, so we caught up the day after the trade period, I think it was, and literally laid everything out on the table, talked about you know things that I struggle with, things he struggled with, and his experiences and stuff, and I think straight away from there we connected based on, obviously, the feelings and emotions being thrown around and... I, as I said, never knew him previous to that. So to find someone that you you know and or you feel like you know a lot was was pretty cool. So ever since then, we've been in each other's pockets. We live a fair way away from each other, but just the way that he's been able to help me and hopefully I've been able to help him has been big in my footy, I think, because I could have struggled after that trade period and everything that went down. And But he helped me day to day at the footy club, still does now, and I'm forever grateful for that. Both your partners play... Netball? Yeah. Um, not for the same team, though. Nah, nah. How, how, does that, how does that go? Is, that, is there a rivalry there? Like, yeah, well, the you first... You boys are on the same team. So the first year, they played together. And then Tipper, my partner, moved to Adelaide last year. So they, they were enemies this year, but teammates the year before. So the way that... Um, they actually played each other twice this year. One, one each. Yes. So it was good. Bragging rights, and we couldn't really go too far. There must was, be some elite operating um, systems in your relationships. I mean, there's four people, all elite athletes. Mm. Like, is, is there too much at times? Is it, like, do we just take, take a step back from the elite sporting arena for five <laughs> yeah. seconds? Chuck some Netflix on or something? Yeah, oh, definitely chuck Netflix <laughs> on or a TV show or whatever it might be. But a lot of the time, like I spend a lot of time on my body, like recovering and stuff like that. So my house at home is set up purely for... I have heard this. you got a gym in your house. I've got a gym. We've got hot and colds. We've got a sauna. <laughs> got a basketball court down the back. I, I have this line in front of me. Renovated his house, has a gym in it, which is appropriate because he loves his rig. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say who that's Who's from. Who's that no, come I from? Can't, I can't tell you who is that's that from. Is that Spang? I can't tell you who that's from. I'm sorry, Josh. I can't if reveal my that's from Spang, sources. I'll be disappointed. <laughs> Maybe he means in a nice way. Because it sounds like you just said I, I spend a lot of time on my body. Yeah, well, I do. I don't... Well, if you want to have a good rig, you've got to work on it. But <laughs> so he loves his rig. I don't, I don't think my rig's in peak condition. Okay. I feel like... I just I want to get the most out of myself and that's why I've got that set up. Like I look at guys in other sports, in American sports, LeBron James, guys like that, they spend a lot of money on their bodies. So yeah. I took the time and effort and spent the cash to, to get to that point. So I feel like it's a good setup for me. Yeah. Do you, are you surprised if you're an American sports fan that um, more players don't do that? More players don't go, go overseas and go on training programs like mm. we do see. Is, is money the barrier or is it like mindset? Is it players not... I personally think that it's mindset because you can get a lot of stuff back on tax if you're going over there to train. <laughs> yes, hello, hello, Mr. ATO. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can always claim your trip, a little yeah, bit correct. of it. Yeah, but Especially if you're training. Yeah, I think it's the intent and how much you want to get out of yourself. Like I've always been a big believer in you get what you put in. So um, I've my parents made a lot of sacrifices for me and I've made a lot of sacrifices for myself to get to this point. So I don't want to be chewed up and spat out like any other sort of normal player, I want to get the most out of my body and myself as a player and a person to then hopefully, you know, longevity of your career. How is how is the rig? Shoulder injury? Shoulders. I've had both shoulder recos. Yeah. I've had an ankle rico, another ankle syndesmosis, um, finger, bit of like just everything. Does it, does it feel good? It feels pretty good. It's, I'm a little bit restricted like because I've had a bone block put in both, so I can't move as well as what I... Used to be able to. But. Sounding old if you start <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, back in the day, I used to be yeah. able to move a bit better. But no, I'm feeling pretty good. My body's, this year's been good because it's been consistent. Like I've had troubles in the past, not being able to play consistent footy through injury. But all my injuries have been traumatic. Like nothing, no soft tissue, touch wood. Yeah, but put your arms all over that place <laughs> right now. Yeah. I but won't yeah. be responsible for this. <laughs> but yeah, the consistency on the field has been good this year, which is nice. With the, This is going to sound like a stupid question. With the hot, cold system at home, because you know, if you're at the football club, all of that's done for you, right? Mm. You can just rock up and it's there ready. So you're at home and you have to heat up a heat up the water, get the ice out. Like it's just a lot of effort to do that for yourself. Yeah, I so 
personally, I don't do it at the footy club, so I'll just do it at home. Right. A lot of the time. So we've got we're going we're under redevelopment at the moment too, by the way. So the dogs. Yeah. So a lot of it's bit makeshift. Like Rub- rubbish bins, you put your own ice in it. Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. So I'll just leave and go and do it at home. I do it nearly every day. Hot and cold, sauna. But does, I, it, does anyone I, else get an invite? Just, is it just the Josh, Josh Dunkley <laughs> uh, performance of centre of excellence and performance? <laughs> it's a good question. I don't really. <laughs> Elliot's over there. He yeah. wants an invite to my yeah. house. He's coming and have a look. Oh, <laughs> I want to go. Yeah. I want to see it. I haven't run in 12 months. So I want to go around there. Yeah. Well, it is. I do invite some people around every now and then, but a lot of guys live like South Melbourne, Williamstown, so a long way away from where I am. Yeah. There's a few boys that know the setup and. Come and enjoy it at times. To distribute this to the Bulldogs playing list, I think there'll be a few boys lining up if they're putting their own ice in the bins at the club. Yeah. Dunks are just going back, flicking the switch, yeah. jumping the ice bins. Yeah, great. But it's all set up. Like, to your question, it's all the spa's already 38, the cold pool's already 50. I don't like it too cold, so it's like 15. Yeah. So I just do contrast. Should be should be about 12. Should be about 12, Josh. It's right. Maybe just 15. Cut, cut a few corners. I don't believe in Does, cold therapy. Nah, I, yeah. I, I, th- I think I, you'd be too young, but early in, in my career, it was like like ice, like yeah. five degrees. Yeah. Like you need to freeze your body. And then studies studies came out. I heard that statement about a hundred times <laughs> in my career. Studies came out and that wasn't, you know, cold immersion wasn't actually mm. the guy. It was actually time in water. Yep. It's not actually the temperature. And then it was like, get sleep and like get as much sleep as possible. You yeah. need to sleep 50 out, 15 hours a day. Uh, it, it changes. Yeah, yeah. I, no, I like the fact you said you like your sleep. I, yeah, I, yeah I love it. Good stories around that. I, we played an early game in Melbourne one day and I'd come back from the hotel. Um, sorry, we slept, yeah, slept in the hotel. Bus was leaving at 11.30 and there was all the players were on the bus. I came down from my room at 11.20 out of bed like literally just stepped out of bed put clothes on no shower Straight bags in. on got a brown vote that day <laughs> very good uh, I've got to ask you about this one a bit of, a bit of humour to start with but then a bit of a serious element at the back of it yep. um, I'm a very big uh, fantasy football player in terms of not being in my own team as in hosting my team Josh Dunkley has been a member of my side for the last how many how many in the league since 2016. Yeah. You talked about leadership group in the team. You're in You're my leadership in my group. Leadership group. Uh, fantasy footy, do you play it? No, I don't. Do you pay attention to it? Uh, I'm aware of it because it comes up on you know the app when you're looking at stats and stuff. Yes. Yeah, it comes up on there. Yes. So I'm aware of it. And saying, I get a lot of messages about it. I, well, that's when my serious part's going to come in. But are, are, you, are you a stats guy? Like, do you know? Do you look, at, do you look how many kicks, handballs? Oh, I'm, I'm not real concerned about total volume of disposals more like impact so yep. score involvements or score assists and things like that yeah um and then the serious element is around that do you we've spoken to a few guys on here about the the fantasy football but the betting element as well mm. what's that like as a, as a player who would be high, highly featured in multi-bets and mm. and fantasy teams when you play well i'm assuming great yeah but if you don't play so well yeah it's probably 10 times worse yeah. than when you play well i've had a couple of guys say thanks for playing well like send me their multi and their total value of money that they've won I mean that's not us <laughs> yeah you like them but you'd be but then, some oh there's some shocking ones I've, stuff, you? I've spoken about a couple of them um, one year against Sydney I think it was my second year and I dropped the mark in the goal square we were down by four points would have 30 seconds to go in the game would have put us up if I had to kick the goal yes. which I'm sure I would have but yes. missed it and then I got a message after that game I was devastated after that game like in tears in the rooms, young kid, yeah. lost a game for us pretty much. I know a lot of other moments come into it, but yeah. check my phone and that was when we didn't have the restrictions on messages and stuff like that that we have today. So yeah. you can restrict a lot of it now. But it was essentially the the map to from Marvel Stadium to the Westgate Bridge and they said, go and jump off. Wow. And that's like, that's when you sit there and you're like, wow. And I'm already at an all-time low. Like yeah. I've never experienced in losing an AFL game of footy for your team. Yeah. You could have won it, would have been the opposite. Like best best game of the year. Best game of your life. Winning you, the game of footy. Do you reckon that's just a um uh, do you reckon that's malicious and the and the person's a bad person or do you think it's a misunderstanding or not even you know an, uh, you know, no understanding of footballers and athletes being people and like a mm. non humanization. Yeah, You're just I, a number on the page. I strongly believe that people see us as something else, like someone else. Like we can no matter what they say to us, 
we can cop it and move on. But we're actually, like you said, we're human. Like we're all the same. No matter what job you do, everyone is human. And I feel like people take that for granted a lot, a lot, especially when it comes to these things. Hmm. And I don't know if I cop it more than others, but even to this day, there's still little things that get sent through and you talk about it. You try and manage it as a player. And at times, like I'm lucky I've got dad because he's been through a lot of it, obviously technology back in the day, but they didn't have it. But um, I can call him, pick him up, you know, ask him what he would do in this situation. He'd normally give me good advice. So yeah, that is good. it's hard to manage at times, but I just try and get the message out there that we are human and we are, you know, you do see these things. So try and look after us a bit more. You've been working on your personal brand as well. I mean, you're, you're in the media a bit and mm. you're well-spoken and you can handle yourself. And so there'd be guys that are uh, probably worse off than you that, that don't have the dad to call, that don't mm. have... Um, it's it's an interesting, a good point. Well made. Um, last one. Uh, a bit of a funny story, this one, apparently. You can, you can be the judge of that. <laughs> <laughs> Once ended up on a Hawks footy trip... at at Oktoberfest I think he was basically abandoned by whoever he was travelling with (laughs) and Jared Ruffhead who we're interviewing tomorrow here I'm going to confirm or deny this just grabbed him and he got involved good value uh, had a few beers like the rest of us true or false true very good a few too many beers actually I was was kicked out (laughs) of the Hofbrau tent is that where you boys were yep very good so, I, I how does that happen? Were you, were you there with the story? A, absolutely, I do. <laughs> Want me to just shut up? So, I was in, I was in London. I literally that was 2017. So I, you know, that was the year that I said that I struggled a little bit, and I was I caught up with Ruffy because Ruffy's been a family friend and a good mentor of mine ever since I was, you know, coming into the system. And Dad looked after him sort of when he was coming through and played AFL footy. So he um he said to me after the season, just get away, mate. Like go away, travel by yourself. So I went by myself to London, went to Manchester, watched a game of EPL, um, and then I saw Ruffy in London one night. I just caught up with him, had a few beers and had a bit bit of a good night. And then he said, oh, what's your plans? Like what are you doing? And I said, oh, I'm going to Germany, like Munich. Yes. And he was like, oh, I'm going to be there too. What time? Figured out it was the same time. So he said, come along. And so I probably looked like I was just walking in and knew that they were all there and just jumped on the table and how good. But Ruffy invited me. So ask him. If he says he didn't invite me, I'd be staggered. He'll, he'll stitch you up, I betcha. Yeah. No, we just found him on the ground somewhere, dragged him along. Yeah. Well, I joined the table and it was a bit weird at first, but the Hawks boys, I'd actually trained with them as a 17-year-old, like AFL Club Week. Yes. So they, I knew most of them. Unreal. But they were probably like, Fuck, who's this bloke? Like, <laughs> I've met him for a week and then he's coming and joining our footy trip. Buddy Franklin kicked me off a, um, a table at a Vegas nightclub uh, one time. It was a Hawthorne footy trip. And we joined in because I was with Matthew Spanger, yeah. our mutual friend. And I remember Buddy booting me with his foot out of the booth. I, 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 won't, I, won't, I, won't, anyway, I won't continue with that. Uh, a couple of these ones for you, mate. Social media, you've heard enough from Dan and I. Some questions from the people for the man. Social media, not social. Yep. You see what I've done with that? Yep. Are you impressed? Very. Thank you. Zach, <laughs> I don't think he's impressed. Uh, uh, he's impressed. Okay. Don't worry, he's impressed. <laughs> he's impressed with that as he was with the trophy that's sitting in front of yeah. us, which is very. Sack Jamble. Uh, the second one there? No, the first one would be great. Uh, yeah, second one. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Um, I think. Wait, wait, wait. Yes. Wait, no. The third one. Wait, yes. Third, <laughs> third one, one, please. Yes. Thank you. Sorry. Doing you a favour, don't I? Third one. Yeah. Uh, so, so be honest. Are you the best Dunkley athlete from your family? Sister plays netball for Queensland Firebirds. Yes. Brother played for Melbourne. Yes. Dad obviously played for Sydney. I'm going to say dad's ahead of me in games. So yeah. he's probably the top of the tree. Yes. Lara's vice captain of the um, Queensland Firebirds. So she's probably ahead of me because she's a... Yes. Vice captain. So you're third currently? Probably third. And then mum's obviously there as well. I'll put mum at the top. I was going to say, put your yeah. mum at the top. Because mum's done everything for us and we love her dearly. So your sister then plays against your partner? Is that yes, right then? correct. How does yeah. that go down? <laughs> well, they used to play together and now they're playing against each other. So oh, of course. she yeah. plays, my sister plays midcourt, like centre wing attack and Tipper, my partner, plays goal attack, goal shooter. So they don't really cross paths right. much, but... When they do, they probably throw an elbow in. Harry.G, <laughs> 77, couple of elbows. <laughs> um, what was 
a better grand final venue, the MCG or Optus Stadium? Oh, I'm going to say the MCG spectacle. Oh, I think the Optus spectacle is really good. Like, it was awesome that day. Obviously, not winning didn't help, but the MCG grand final day, I don't think you can beat it, personally. Agreed. I yep. agree with you. Uh, live underscore Flora. kind of touched on it, but... Uh, who are you one word answer. So if Tipper and Laura are playing each other, who are you rooting for? <laughs> Adam always asks me this question. I just say I'm torn down the middle. No. I've got to choose one? Yes. Oh. <laughs> it's pretty much who you're going to apologise to. Yeah, you? I know. Nah, don't, I won't do nah, it. No, don't do it to no, me. I'll pick one. <laughs> well, mm. No, okay, don't. The fact that they were 1-1 this year is good. It was a good result for me. Good, good yeah. answer. Nicky Sambo. <laughs> Uh, okay, Nikki. How right. much did you dominate Scoey when you played on him? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't have a memory of playing against me. Yeah, the elimination final. Yes. Yeah, I reckon we played. We might not have played on each other. Might have. I might have gone to you. You're taller. I was taller sort of, me. At some stage, I used to play on the. the I just the, try and think higher. of games against West Coast. Mm. That game, I kicked two. Perfect. Yep. Perfect. I was probably on you then. <laughs> I don't reckon you would have been. This is, the same, this is the same as Jimmy Bartell yesterday. I thought Jimmy Bartell wouldn't have any memories. He's like, oh, yes, we did play uh, West Coast. And Scully played on me and kicked three and had three. <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, he was a good player. Uh, Tappy95. Yeah, I'm interested. In how, does, how does Josh Dunkley like his eggs cooked? Scrambled. <laughs> love yeah. scrambled eggs. But game day, I do poached. So Sorry. So why? Love, yeah, why? I love scrambled because it's like a bit of everything. Like, it's milky, sort of nice and fluffy, whereas game day, I don't like to fill myself up too much, so poached Okay. every time. I mean, eggs are so, eggs. So yeah, I mean, but you're unless still you're at a consuming hotel. the same amount of egg, right? Hey? You're still consuming the same amount of egg, Yeah, you, you are. It's all mental, by the way. You side. are. <laughs> but I like, yeah, it is mental. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> do you, man? Jacob underscore Vanderwall. Um, please record more episodes of On and Off Potty. Tell yeah. us about that. Yeah, so Adzi and I... Last year, we wanted to get something going, like where we could show people that we are just human beings, like we we're talking about before, and talk about our ups and downs and what we go through. And um, COVID hit last year, so we weren't able to do that. And then this year, we got it off the ground and um, started doing some stuff before round one. I think it was a week before round one, and then we've just progressed. Did some um, podcasts every week. We were doing it, and then started doing some YouTube vlogs and little things that people love. Like people actually love it and support us really well so it's been fun and nice little insight into our lives and we've had a few weeks off of late so we're going to pick it up this week okay i think this sounds like a little bit of a collaboration mm. back chat on and off pod at some yeah let's do time it from yeah we're in for that that sounds great historic underscore football underscore collection oh, um is the big is the big duck with sticky hands the best nickname at the club who is the big duck with sticky hands? I don't even think that is a nickname. Is, it? <laughs> is that yours? It's a good nickname. Is that your... the, big the big duck, duck. with sticky hands? Uh, I'm thinking it's Naughty's nickname, Aaron. Maybe, Norton. yeah. But what? I can't say that. What's he like? What's he like to play with? He's one of my favourite players. Yeah, he's play. he's awesome. Yeah, he's just the way that he is as a person too. I think is impressive. Like he's a country boy yeah. from Rockingham. Yes, so he loves to you know camp and things like that and has a good time, but. When he switches on and he's on field, he's just one of the best players that I've ever been involved with. Like the way that he can jump at a footy and then play, if he doesn't mark it at ground level, he's one of the best as well. So just an incredible person and player. I'm so happy I'm retired watching him play because oh. I no doubt would have to play on him. He, 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 the way he attacks packs, yeah. I just think as a teammate, you would just see him coming and just, you would know it's coming to ground. At the very worst, that's the best thing about he's him. He's not getting outmarked. Mm. And he smashes packs. I wouldn't be standing in front of him. I put it I'll, that way. I'll never forget when he got drafted. He was drafted as a backman. Yeah, absolutely was. And the first match sim we played, he took like 20 intercept marks. <laughs> and everyone was like, who's this bloke? Like, just got drafted. Really? 19-year-old, 18-year-old kid just destroying match sim. Could you ever see him making a move back? Yeah, probably. I mean, given, given that. Like, yeah, given that. Like, given the experience that I've had with him and seeing him play down there, definitely. But at the time when he moved forward, it took a lot of work to get him to be a forward. Mm. Uh, and now he's obviously dominating as a forward. So, I don't know. He still kicks for goal like a backman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't tell him that. No, okay. He'll be flat. No, we'll have to have a chat to Norts at some time. Good West Australian. We love them. Last question for this one. Live underscore Floro. 
Uh, <clears throat> who are three teammates you'd take on a footy trip and one you wouldn't for, for any money? <laughs> one I wouldn't three for any on, money. Three, three, you know, one. One that you just yeah, definitely, one that you'd not pay not to take. Three that I would take, obviously, Adam. Yep. Uh, I'd take Hayden Crozier. Good would value. You? And would probably you? Naughty. Okay. Yeah. All good value, good people. Love hanging around him. Who doesn't get an invite? No, who, it's not even not an invite. It's like you cannot come. Could, you're a you couldn't pay me enough to bring this person along. <laughs> this <laughs> is a bad one. There's someone. Uh, he's too bloody nice. There's someone at your football club that is just a pest. Yeah, he's thinking you about can't that have person around. Right yeah, now. I'll say someone. I'll say someone. Leith Vandermeer. Okay. Just because he just doesn't stop. Like he's always got to be doing something. Flat out. Yeah, flat out. <laughs> and I've, I'm, I'm trying to teach him because I'm, I'm a bit of like probably one of his mentors. Yes. I like to hope so. But... You might I'll need try him on the footy trip with you then. That's how he can learn. Yeah. Maybe you need to flick one of that. Maybe you need to flick Adzi from the footy trip. You know, you're already good mates with him. Footy trips are about bonding. Yeah, that's a good call. Right? Good so maybe Adzi can just stay at home, look after the house, make sure your ice bin runs okay. <laughs> <laughs> and get uh, the big fella Vandermeer. Yeah. Okay, very good. Well done, mate. Thank you. Yeah, we loved having you on. Appreciate your time. Um, really generous. I've, we've, got some, we've got some stuff we'd love for you to take back to the... The backline boys. Okay. All right, back chat. Used to play in the backline. We got some merch. I don't believe it's here unless Sammy's been able to organise it out there in the background. <laughs> but they're, they're specifically for the backmen, we, would you be able to do that for us? Absolutely. Okay, we'll sort that out. Thanks for listening. So you can find us on social media, backchat double underscore. Send us an email if you've got any questions at any time. Hello at backchatpodcast.com.au. Hope you're taking notes here, Joshy Dunkley, because this is how you wrap up a podcast. Thanks to our <laughs> sponsors, Whippersnapper. Blue Bet, Margaret River Roasting Co., Leadable Cameras, and of course, Shelter, the wonderful people that support this. We love you. Find everything you need to know. Backchatpodcast.com.au. Watch us on YouTube. Listen to us anywhere you get them. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com.